Hey, you got Frank with the Everyday Sniper, and I'm on today with Aaron Hampton from EOTech. As you guys heard on some of the previous podcasts, I'm using the Voodoo 5-25 uh, rifle scope. I just mounted it up on my Voodoo. I was actually putting some stuff out, the Voodoo on a Voodoo, and uh, just got an email today and a text message from Mike saying, hey, we got a 22 match this weekend. Come on and bring it out. I'm like, hey, I'm actually ready. So, Aaron, thanks for being on the Everyday Sniper podcast. And introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do over at EOTech. Well, first, Frank, uh, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, at EOTech, I work for the marketing department uh, in the new products division team. And uh, I am a technical product specialist. So, I've been with uh, EOTech for, gosh, I guess a total of about seven or eight years now uh, working on different projects. And I uh, helped uh, the project managers or product managers uh, develop uh, our line of Voodoo Scope. So I've been there uh, from inception until today. So uh, the 5 to 25 uh, is a, a scope that's near and dear to me, um, you know, kind of a bit of a baby, but at the same time, uh, not really married to it. So Anything we can find to improve, you'll see in the in, in the future generations and, and other iterations as we move forward. Nice. And you guys were, were pretty forward thinking in going in that ultra compact design, which, you know, when people think of those five to 25s, they, they're usually looking at that optical package and making it a little longer and, you know, getting those designs to work in a short, compact package I mean, it takes a lot of R&D going back and forth and making sure everything's good. So, you know, what was the mindset that you wanted to jump right into the Ultra Compact? Well, and, and it's interesting that you say it that way because we started uh, even with our Generation 1 uh, Voodoo rifle scopes uh, with the idea that we wanted to do a 5 to 25 super short. Uh, so it's just taken us this long uh, to figure out all the things that we didn't know and we didn't understand so that we could engineer that light path uh, to be that short, uh, give you that magnification range uh, and not lose uh, all the other things that you would you would normally lose by shrinking that light path like um, clarity, resolution, color reproduction, uh, turret. Um, uh, adjustment range. Uh, so it, it's taken us a while to get here. Uh, and the reason we thought about it from the very beginning is, is you know, EOTech is owned by uh, L3 Communications and our sister company inside of our sector is Insight. And one of the things, and I'm sure you're very well aware of it, is with uh, MSRs getting shorter and shorter and having less and less rail space, uh, our sister company Insight makes some of the, the best night vision and thermal clip-on device as possible. So when you're running something like a traditional 5 to 25, uh, you really have to break position or have you know really super long arms if you wanna make adjustments to that clip-on site. And now with these much shorter platforms and less rail space, uh, oftentimes with a full length, uh, a traditional length scope of that magnification range, you're gonna run out of rail space before you can even mount that clip-on. So we were looking forward and saying, you know what, five to 25 is a really optimal range. Uh, at five power, even with some of the older generation night vision, I can dial down enough to still be able to see well without getting a lot of pixelation. But it also gives me a great field of view uh, if I'm surveying an area or providing overwatch or all those things. And I can zoom in to 25 to really be able to make a positive ID and, you know, shoot at a partial target. So we knew that that was the range, the zoom range we wanted to be in. And we worked really hard to make a very compact platform that works with all those clip-on and ancillary devices. And also, let's face it, it just looks really cool to have a small scope on a small rifle. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, and, and it makes so much sense coming out of the training with the military side. I had the... um the PVS, the clip-on, and the, the 26s and stuff, couldn't reach it. You know what I mean? It was so far right. forward, and I ended up getting rid of it 
just because of that fact you mentioned is it's it becomes a crew serve weapon at that point when you want somebody or when you want the adjustments up front you have to have somebody else do it because you can't be behind it and reach up that far so having a compact scope that gives you that resolution and clarity and allows you to work is really a positive i mean in in the good old bad days you, you had to put your scope on like eight power for, you know, night vision to even work. Uh, you, you, right. you start to get 10 and 12 power. And, and like you said, they pixelate, they blur out. Now you can run them pretty close to, you know, that 15, 18, 20 power without running into the problems we used to run into a long time ago. So now just making it short and then putting it, uh, you know, putting your clip ons and stuff in front, it makes perfect sense. So that that's actually a, a really good piece of insight for people to understand where this mindset was going. But I, I think you guys did a fantastic job on the scope. Uh, I've been impressed with using it to, to so far. And like I said, I, I, I wanted to get it out and on my rifle as quick as possible and not necessarily put it in a queue to, to be like, Hey, I, I'll get to it in, you know, three months. So the voodoo 22 was available and I'm able to focus down close. I'm, you know, I, I break the power back a little bit. And I'm using, as I mentioned with you earlier, the MD3 reticle, which is their clean uh, center dot sort of mill hash mark reticle. I'm not using the Horus. That's a, also an option. But I'm using that, that EOTech MD3. And I like it. It's a nice, wide, open field of view. Not a lot of clutter. It lets me, you know, fine-tune my, my aim with that small fine dot that you have. So I think it's, it was a good job, you know, giving them the Christmas tree and the Horus if they want it, but then giving them a clean mill dot hash mark reticle with a floating dot, which is becoming one of the most popular designs. Yeah. And, you know, we've, um, uh, Mark Miller, who's a product manager there, he's the product manager for the Voodoo Precision Rifle Scopes and I, uh, when we started on this journey of, of, of branching out from the 1X holographic sites into uh, developing and um, marketing our own uh, magnified optics, we kind of jumped into the PRS game uh, because, you know, it, let's face it, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, the people that show up at PRS matches are, are generally top-notch. They're willing to, uh, to share uh, a lot of knowledge and, and really uh, their honest uh, feedback on their own equipment and the things that they spent their money for and what they're looking for. Uh, so, of course, Mark and I, we took our first match out and we took uh, H59 reticles. And I've got quite a bit of experience with Horace, um, but you either love Horace or you just are kind of okay with horrors, <laughs> but the majority of the people fall on either I love horrors or I hate horrors. I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, I think horrors is, is, is great. Uh, the grid patterns are fantastic, mm -hmm. but this, this, the sustainment training piece of running a horse, uh, it, it kind of outpaces the average shooter. Uh, I've seen guys with uh, thousands and thousands of rounds on horrors uh, nearly go to blows uh, during a sniper competition because uh, you know the spotter made a call. The shooter said, "I'm I'm I'm holding that." No, you can't be holding that because I'm telling you what to hold, and I see where it's going. And next thing you know, you're dialing, and now you're all screwed up through the next stage until you can uh, recoup and get a chance to to redial. So we wanted to do something that kind of fit the way we like to shoot. I'm a dialer. You know, if you give me the time, I'm going to dial elevation every single time. So having a really clean reticle uh, that gave me the references I need to be able to, to hold for wind and uh, also hold uh, elevation when necessary uh, was kind of paramount. So that's kind of what led to the MD3. Um, but of course, you know, for the people who love Horace, that's all they really want. So we do offer the Horace H59. And we're working with Horace right now to uh, also offer uh, the Trimmer 3 uh, at a later date. But we selected the H59 because if you are a big fan of Horace and you only want a Trimmer 3 or you only want a Trimmer, uh, you'll take an H59 because it's a really well thought out scope. And if you're uh, reticle, 
And if you're new to Horus, the H59 is one of the less daunting uh, reticles that they offer. It's got a precision dot in the center. Uh, so it's, it's really well suited for that, that guy who says, you know, I really want to have a, a Horus, but I'm not sure about all these dots and all this other stuff. And also because there's, there's fewer uh, reference points in that reticle, it's a little bit cleaner, but more importantly, the sustainment training piece of it is a lot lower. So uh, the casual shooter like myself, who likes to go out and compete more for the camaraderie and, and uh, the fact that it's a whole lot of fun, who doesn't have time to spend you know, lots of time on the range, perfecting holds, perfecting dope, uh, the H59 kind of offers that good middle ground. Uh, so we definitely wanted to offer the H59. One of the things we haven't touched on that I'd like to say is that with our MD3 reticle, the MSRP of that 5 to 25 Super Short is $2,099. So for what you're getting, uh, you know, if you can compare that to anything else that's out on the market space, uh, it's, a, it's a phenomenal value proposition. And yeah. you've shot it, so you see that uh, you're not giving up anything in terms of uh, paying less and uh, getting a compact package. You're actually getting a fantastic value. No, it, it punches above its weight class. It's definitely, uh, you know, with all the features that you guys have, being that ultra short is, is desirable for so many people. Uh, you know, in today's market, it, it's something you guys talk about. You're not giving up anything feature-wise with, the, you know, your zero stops, your locks, uh, your illuminations, and things like that. So it's it's definitely— well, And the other big thing, Frank, you keyed on earlier, that parallax adjustment. You know, we've got a fantastic side parallax adjustment, uh, illumination on the reticle. And I would say that the one important thing that you do give up going to our 5 to 25 super short versus a traditional 5 to 25, not only the size and the footprint, but also the weight. Yes. You had to notice that that is a very lightweight scope for what it does and for the ruggedness that, 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 it, uh, that it, it has, that we've tested it to, that we warranty it for life because of that. Uh, so you're not adding a great deal of weight. It, it's not some super tanker that's sitting on top of your 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 platform. Uh, so I mean, it, it, it's a fantastic value and a fantastic scope, uh, and we we couldn't really be happier about it. And and you know that was the other consideration, the weight and the size when I went to the Voodoo 22 package, the Voodoo on the Voodoo, because it isn't a big heavy scope. And to me, you know, I could stick it on one of my AIs, but that thing's at 18 pounds already. So what do I save? But when you're going to the Voodoo 22, which with the, you know, the 22 matches are very similar to that PRS type, that shoot, move and, and you know, displace. It, it made sense to me that it all went on. It mounted up really well. It was easy. And then, like you said, I was I'm able to focus in. I zeroed it at 50 yards for the 22 stuff. And I'm able to focus in close. I, I can I can resolve everything, even if I put a quarter inch dot at about ten yards. As long as I back the power off a little bit, I can still focus in really well. And I'm not giving that up in such a small package. Like you said, it's it's a lot of work to get the optical design shoehorned in a tiny little package thing to, to get that resolution, to get that clarity, to get field of view. And not compromising in, in, you know, tunneling or this or that. So you, you guys did nail on it really, really well. Um, I do come from the, the, the not a Horus fan side of things. I, I actually worked with the Horus stuff before it moved over. And when we gave it up, we just taught ourselves to do all the same Horus drills with standard mill dot reticles. So for me, holds and all that aren't an issue because I see the grid uh, even with your MD3 reticle, I see the grid in my head. And if right. I have to hold in a quadrant that actually has nothing, I have a method for that. And it's not for, in my mind, I'm not holding in space. A lot of people say, but you're holding out in space. I'm like, well, no, I'm not. Because I slide over to the mill I want and then I slide down to the mill I want. So I'm only looking at one direction. And the one previous was verified. 
So you can do right. all of that with the with the MD three reticle, um, you know, and and it, it's it's a it's a it's a really fast, nice package. I like your your turret design with your zero stops makes it easy. You don't have to fumble for it. It's got some uh, the settings there for you guys are calling. I'm I'm going to reference the book here so I don't get it wrong. Your easy check zero stop. Yep. So you know it, it's it's a simple. There's there's five steps. You know what I mean? It's really easy here uh, that you're performing. It, it actually kind of says you'll go to seven through eight, but it's really just five steps that you're going through to set this up. The 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 lock on top makes it easy to remove that turret cap and, and stuff for indexing your dial turrets and stuff like that. It it was like I said, I I tested it with our scope test tool. It, it tracked 100%. Everything was good there. So, like I said, with your $2,000 package, this is this is really competing in that $25 to $2,800 range when you look at what you're getting compared to all the other choices out there. So you're saving anywhere from five to 800 bucks without giving up anything. Absolutely. And, and what you gain is enormous. Uh, and that's the other reason we went down at a, at a five to 25, you know, if you're shooting current generation uh, thermal or fusion or I squared, uh, you know, going, like you said, going 10, 12, 15 power is absolutely no problem. You're not going to get any pixelation. You're still going to be able to make uh, PID on those distant targets. Uh, but if you have an older generation, you know, if you're if you're somebody like me who has to fund uh, all of his uh, cool toys out of his own pocket, you're probably not at that gen yet. You know, you're 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 probably at you know two or three, uh, and so with those, you really do need the ability to dial down quite a bit in order to keep that uh, image from getting overly pixelated. Uh, so we were really thinking about. Uh, the the commercial consumer. Uh, it, yes, there's still uh, a lot of effectiveness there uh, for those who, you know, uh, put put their life on that weapon platform and and other people's lives on that weapon platform. Uh, but for the the hog hunter, the the casual shooter, the enthusiast, the predator hunter, uh, this is uh, really amazing. In that any rifle platform you have you're going to be able to, you know, provided it's set up. But if you're running an MSR with a, a short barrel and a short handguard, you're still going to be able to take this higher magnification scope, use it as your all-the-time day scope, put that clip-on on, and just dial that power down a bit, regardless of the generation that you're running, and still have an effective weapon system uh, for nighttime or low-light conditions. And, and yeah, just for acronym, because people ask all, we, we throw acronyms out, we get military guys that come on. It's identification and what they'll do with night vision and stuff. It, it, on the law enforcement military side, they want to ID various objects and stuff for like the coyote hunters, make sure there's not a collar on that coyote, you know, and it's not a German <laughs> shepherd, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So what they're talking about is that you're not losing resolution through the night vision that you can't identify the target. So exactly, exactly. So you're you're making PID or positive identification on that target, and once you get overly pixelated, you really can't do that. Right. You don't know if it's a dog, uh, or or a coyote, or you know the 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 right hog, or or whatever you're engaging. So uh, that becomes really important. And also, you know, beyond that fact, it just doesn't make the shooting experience that pleasant. Uh, when you're looking at a bunch of different blobs uh, in your site. Right. So we wanted you to be able to dial down enough to do that. But again, you know, most of the time when you're shooting in a PRS match or anything else where there's multiple targets and you're having to, to move over to different engagements, you're not going to dial all the way up to 25 because you want to have a wider field of view. You want to be able to see more of what's out there. So that was the other uh, factor in, in choosing that uh, magnification range and uh, putting in that MD3 because it's a very uncluttered, usable uh, reticle that, and you have you know decades of experience behind the gun, so you realize that just having those reference points, you kind of create your own grid. 
but when people used to talk about holding in the space, that was with the, you know, the, the really basic duplex reticle that was just a crosshair. And now you really were holding in the space. You were trying to guesstimate, you know, if this was a mill or if this was four MOAs or whatever you were looking at. But with the MD3, uh, just like you said, you know, you can create that grid in your mind inside of that quadrant and you know where you're holding if you have the time there. But it's not a daunting reticle for those who are just getting into the sport or for people like yourself who have years and years of experience. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I, I Like I said, when I talked to John um, early on and we were talking this, you know, most people assume kind of with the background that I have that, it, oh, you're going to go Horace. It's like, no, I want your other reticle. I like that one. You know, clean is, is you know, is nice for me. And I, I will say this, this voodoo scope, when it was announced, it was one of the most talked about scopes on the Sniper's Hide forum. There's a lot of discussions about it. Uh, I haven't seen, and, and I'm kind of, you know, this is one of the reviews I was looking forward to this year in, in meeting up with you guys because I haven't seen a whole lot put out about it, but I haven't seen any negative either, which is always great. Now, I mentioned to you, I have one of the sort of the, the demos that go out to the writers and stuff. I caught a little bit of purple fringing, but you guys say you caught that earlier as well. Um, and I was in snow. It was snowing out, and I'm looking in the snow, and I'm shooting. And around parts of it, you'll catch a little bit of CA chromatic aberrations, which it's purple, yellow, different colors. And you guys saw that too, and then you went and changed your coating package for the production stuff because this is a process. This takes time. You put it out to people, and you look at it, and you say, hey, I see it too. You see it. And, and as we were discussing, it's like, yeah, the, the writer demo ones, we don't throw them away. They go to guys like me. But it, it's, it, it, it did, you guys did see that. And, and talk about coatings and how that recipe, and, and you, you sort of change it up. I know you won't give out the secret sauce or nothing like that, but there, the, how that's really the picture people are looking at. Right. So, you know, anytime light hits glass, uh, you're going to lose some of that light and you're also going to distort that light uh, to some degree. And the better the quality of glass, uh, the less that distortion is going to take place. But what's also really, really important that a lot of people don't realize, and a lot of that is because uh, we learned from our fathers and our grandfathers. And what we always talked about uh, in those days of optics were um, what was the, or what is, uh, the light transmission? You know, I want to get as close to hundred percent light transmission as I possibly can. Right. And what I always tell people, if, if all you're looking for is light transmission, then step outside on a sunny day with your naked eyes and take a look at an image down the road and then put on a pair of high quality sunglasses, not crappy sunglasses, but a good set of high quality sunglasses and look at that same object. You're gonna notice there's gonna be quite a bit more distinction on those lines. Uh, the resolution is probably going to be improved. Uh, you may lose a little bit in the color transmission, but overall the quality of that image is gonna be better. And now guess what? You're not getting 100% light transmission. What's important? in developing or designing a light path in a magnified optic is that we understand what's happening with each and every one of those rays of light. And as it comes through that glass, we're going to see some distortion. And that's where multi-coatings come in. That's where we're able to coat uh, different individual pieces or individual lenses a different way so that some gather more light some reflect certain wavelengths of light so that in the end, when it goes through all of those lenses and reaches that exit pupil, which reaches your pupil, you're getting a true representation of what's taking place downrange. Now, a lot of this, or you know, 98% of this is science. The other 2% is a little bit of magic, and that's kind of why we named our scopes voodoo. Uh, but when you can do it, in the onesies and twosies and foursies when you're talking about development that's something totally different that's like going down to your seamstress and having her make you a suit and then asking her to supply macy's it's not quite the same thing some things have to change and you have to have a very regimented process 
So when we do, uh, as most manufacturers, I'm sure, uh, when we finally locked in on a prescription and all the lenses are right and we feel like the multi-coatings are perfect, we do a pre-production run. And our pre-production run is a low volume run, 50 to 100 uh, of, of that unit. And then all 50 to 100 of that unit go through quality testing. During that quality testing, we realized that we were getting a little bit of fringing. Uh, we went back, changed our uh, coating process for the lenses. And then uh, those are the ones that are going out to retailers now. That said, uh, we re we still utilize those uh, quality samples for photos and things like that. And you actually received one of those. So you saw a little bit of purple fringing, uh, probably just on the edges against a very contrasting uh, target set. So like snow against a piece of steel or a brown target. Um, those aberrations aren't going to affect your, as I'm sure you realize, they're not gonna affect your accuracy or your bullet impact. It just comes from some stray light, uh, not necessarily stray light, but in this case, it was actually stray light where that particular color doesn't come back into the center of that exit pupil along with the rest. So what we noticed was it was the wavelength that corresponds with violet. So by going in and changing those multi-coatings, we can control that. No, that's an awesome explanation, man. You did that was that was actually phenomenal for for guys getting that that. And I see it too, just from a camera standpoint. Uh, you know, Colorado, it was you know bright. And when I go out and it was still there's snow on the ground, I'm a mile closer to the sun. Usually, clouds aren't too often here, but you know we'll have that snow on the ground, and it's so bright. Like with my camera equipment. I'm crushing it with neutral density filters and go way over the top in that direction for my videos because the sun is so bad. So when I do see little elements of things like that, I kind of blow it off and go, well, it's Colorado sun. It, it, it's not that big deal. And especially once the snow melts away, you know, I'm not looking out at, at, a, at a white field anymore. So it, it, it that stuff tends right. to disappear in my mind because I know no, it doesn't have an effect. Thing. You know, that's a good thing. And w when you realize that, uh, one of the things that it that it, it definitely should make you realize is just how amazing the human eye is, that we can compensate for all of those things. You know, if you have uh, either corrected or, or, or what we like to call normal vision. So if you're at 2020, uh, you realize that, man, I I don't see any of these things happening. And that's because you know, our eye is a gradient index lens, which means we've got a really good depth of field, but also unlike a prescription lens, uh, which is what we we have to put in a, in a rifle scope or uh, on spectacles that will go on your face, uh, we've been, mankind as a whole has been really good at being able to uh, make a prescription on a lens in, in the center, you know, so that one center part uh, we can get that prescription, you know, really, really good. And that's why when you go to the optometrist and you get your prescription and then you take a set of, of uh, frames that, that you love and you say, okay, make these frames for it. They go in and do the math and say, okay, these are going to sit this far away from his eyes based on their vision correction. This is the prescription that needs to be in the middle. And if you take those same glasses that you can see perfectly 20-20 with and you just move them down to the end of your nose, looking out of that same point, it's not as great. So now we're packing anywhere from eight to 24 lenses inside of this tube. And we've got to get the prescription on every single one of them exactly right. You know, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. It, it requires a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of quality control on the end unit. Uh, and it always makes me just say, man, the human eye is absolutely amazing. When I first started shooting anything precision many, many years ago, uh, I used to take hours upon hours, to, literally hours on hours, to perfectly mount a scope and make sure that the reticle was perfectly uh, centered uh, if it was a Horus so that I could, you know, hold off and I didn't have a little bit of cant because maybe the manufacturer didn't do it exactly right. 
or to make sure that, you know, that that rifle scope was top dead center so that uh, my elevation adjustments didn't impart windage and vice versa. And now I realize that, you know what, I take about 15 minutes to level that thing in the mount. I throw it on. And first thing I do is hold it up at a string that's hanging from the ceiling because my eye is way more calibrated than any of those bubble levels or anything else I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't believe the you said that. <laughs> The eye is an amazing thing. I'm so with you 100%, man. You're going to see. You're going to see stuff that we just don't have any control of because at this point in time and in, in the space and time that we exist as human beings on planet Earth, we can't make anything that is amazing as the human eye. So you know what? You're going to see some things every now and again. But what I can assure you is that if you do see a little bit of fringing, if you do see a little bit of chromatic aberrations in a voodoo rifle scope, it's gonna be because there's a little bit of stray light there. Uh, it's not because it's going to affect your point of aim, point of impact. And that's the most important thing. When you start stepping down into uh, some, some much lower level scopes where you really do get what you pay for, and you see that fringing and you see those chromatic aberrations, pretty much in any light, in any contrast setting, that means that those prescriptions are really bad and those different wavelengths of light are not meeting up together when they enter your eye. So if they're not meeting up together, then, then what's happening to that downrange image? You're certainly not seeing it in the time and space that it exists. So we work really hard, uh, especially on that five to 25 to be able to get all those prescriptions just right, still give you a really generous eye box. And I know that, especially shooting a 22 bolt gun, you've noticed that that eye box is very generous and extremely forgiving Yep. with a great exit pupil. And for a, a scope of that size with a 50 millimeter objective, that was the other thing. I wanted a 50 millimeter objective. It would have been way easier to do with a 56 millimeter objective. But I wanted a 50 millimeter objective because I believe we should get that center line of that optic as close to the center line of that bore as we possibly can. And to me, the difference between a 50 and a, and a 56 is medium or high ring. And I can put a 20, 20 MOA base on a standard 700 or take a, a, a factory a Surgeon 590 and I can put it on low rings. And now I'm sitting just over the center line of my bore. I love it. And that's why, you know, that what I want to impart on, on, on your listeners is that we didn't just say we want to build a small scope. We thought about it. We thought through the applications. We thought through what would make it a thoughtful and useful tool. At the end of the day, weapons platforms and ammunition are getting better and better. They're getting more and more accurate. They're getting more and more precise. They're getting more and more repeatable. We want our optics to help you maximize all that new greatness in your system. No, for sure. You're singing, and, and everything you say with the human eye is singing my song. I've been talking about that with the levels, with everything, that how accurate we really are, our vestibule senses for balance and things like that. And I want to segue because you br you're bringing up the human body, and that brings me into what you just mentioned because we do have a lot of LE and uh, military guys who listen, the hollow sights because you changed up your hollow sight like the reticle from red to green because you did some human engineering. And Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we got asked about the most was when are you going to make a green? When are you going to make a green? When are you going to make a green? And... You know, if you want to make a traditional red dot sight go green, then all you have to do is change your anti-reflective coating so that it doesn't absorb all the color green and change your LED diode. I mean, it's really that simple. But when you talk about a hologram, uh, which is by no stretch of the imagination the same as a traditional red dot sight, it requires a whole lot more uh, engineering. It, we had to science the hell out of that product in order to go from green to red because you can't just take and switch out uh, your 
laser diode and say, boom, now it's green. Because the way that a hologram is produced, we have to absorb certain wavelengths and only reflect certain wavelengths. And because of that, every element inside of that light path has to be changed or tweaked. So it took us a while to get there. But the reason we did it is partly because of consumer demand, but also because the human eye is our rods and cones are about six times more receptive or responsive to green wavelength than red. So that means with a green reticle, I can pick that up a little bit faster. Uh, to some people that doesn't matter, but if you're on the timer, you know, those tenths or hundreds of a second, they mean a lot. So in pretty much any lighting condition, you're going to be able to pick up that red reticle or excuse me, that green reticle a bit faster than you could pick up that red reticle. Now, the fact that we're a holographic site and we have our speed ring that really does draw the eye into it. I mean, um, just from this conversation, I realize you understand a lot about the human eye. So it's, it's really good at centering a circle inside of a circle. So by putting that speed ring there, when you bring that site to your eye, your eye automatically wants to center in on that speed ring, which puts that dot right in the very center. So it's a very fast, very precise site. Now we've changed that color to green and we're able to make you see it that much faster. Your eye is able to pick it up that much quicker regardless of the lighting conditions and regardless of the background. But what that also forced us to do was become you know, power misers. We had to figure out how we could get good battery life out of a green laser because it requires more power to operate a green laser. So one of the benefits or an ancillary effect of, of the development of the green was we were able to increase the life of our red holographic sites as well. And just because we're on it and we haven't, uh, I'll say this, you know, being part of the marketing team at EOTech, we haven't done a fantastic job of marketing what the difference is between a holographic site and a red dot site. And the, the most obvious answer is that, yep, we have to use a laser, which is, is going to be much more of a power hog than an LED in order to replay that holographic recording. But what's great about that hologram is that your mind perceives it to be downrange. It, your mind perceives that hologram to actually be on the same plane as whatever you're focusing on. And the best way that I can kind of illustrate it is by telling you about the history of EOTech. Uh, the founders of EOTech uh, came from the University of Michigan and they actually produced the very first holographic weapon site for helicopter gunships. Those are very similar, if not the same, as the holographic heads-up display that are in a fighter jet. Now, if you're in a fighter jet and you're flying at Mach whatever, life is going on all around you. So you need access to that important data while you pay attention to what else is happening around you. So a hologram allows that pilot to be able to maintain situational awareness that all the things that are going on, no matter how fast that life is coming at him, and still get pertinent data to be able to operate that aircraft. And if you go back a step, if you rent cars often, as I do, uh, sometimes you get a nice high-end one and it'll have the heads-up display in the dash. Are you familiar with those, Frank? Yep, yep, it puts it on the screen. Put, puts it right on the, on the windshield. But you'll notice that as you drive, if you want to see your speed on that windshield, instead of having to look at the dash, you just look right above the dash, but you also have to shift your focus to see that speed. So you're not looking at the road anymore. If you want to focus on that actual uh, miles per hour or that, uh, right, that the map, display, right, you right. actually have to change your shift your focus to that windscreen. So the difference is in that aircraft, you actually have a hologram. In that vehicle, you have a reflection of an LED display from the dash. Now, if we put that into gun terms, 
in an EOTech holographic weapon site, you have an actual hologram. In a traditional red dot site, you're doing the same thing that that vehicle is doing. You're reflecting a red dot. So now that red dot is actually taking place on the back window of that site. And I'm shifting my focus, no matter how quick or, or slow, to that dot when I bring that site to my eye. And then I'm changing shift, I'm changing my focus to shift back to that target. And I make the decision based on training and, and what's going on as to whether I'm going to take a site focus shot or a target focus shot. Well, with a holographic site, because it, it appears to your brain that it's taking place at that same distance, I can maintain a focus on that target as I bring that site to my eye, my eye doesn't have to shift focus. So it's already an inherently faster system. And with green, it just ups it up a notch. Yeah, you're making the brain comfortable by bringing, it, it, it'll put the circle in the circle. It likes to find points. And so, it it, so it'll put that circle in the circle easier for you. And the brain's not trying to calculate like grids. It doesn't like a grid because it's saying pick one. I don't like all of them. You, nope. you, and so, and, and the eye is designed. I mean, it's a circle for a reason. Your pupil's a circle for a reason. Your eyeball is a ball for a reason. It's really good at centering a circle in a circle. And now that I can make my brain believe that that reticle is on the same plane as that target. Right. I don't need to shift my focus. So it's a bit faster. Now when I throw green into the mix, now my eye can pick up that green even up to six times faster than picking up the color red. Now I'm super, super fast. Yep, it's a and more also natural, we have people comfortable. people who can't really see red. Uh, so there's other reasons there as well. But well, Red and yellow I mean, suck is, in a rifle faster. scope. Trying to get reds and yellows out of a rifle scope is bad. Like the, when, if you check the color charts, we're bad like lower quality scopes fall apart is reds and yellows so right. you know and that's in the color reproduction and trying to transmit it through that many pieces of glass mm -hmm. without losing those wavelengths yeah and so you know but on a 1x uh it, it really has a lot to do with the anti-reflective coatings that they have to put on there to reflect that led because you don't want to absorb any of that red light uh, you want to be able to reflect all of that red light that's coming from that LED. But the byproduct of that is you're stopping other wavelengths from coming through. Yep. So oftentimes you get a shaded or you get a muted look, uh, but that's all a requirement. With the EOTech holographic weapon site, it's essentially optically clear glass on both ends. So you're actually getting the same view uh, marginally diminished because of the fact that you know light does uh you do absorb some light when you when you go from air into that glass but there aren't there's no need to have those anti-reflective coatings there to bounce that light back because we're replaying that hologram in between those two pieces of glass nice and, and all this science paid off because you guys scored the socom contract for it that's right i mean we're really 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 excited over the fact that you know, in a open competition, um, the EOTech holographic weapon site was selected uh, for the new close quarter site uh, for SOCOM. You know, and that's, it's not just a big feather in our cap. I mean, obviously it's that, but it also shows that uh, we're doing things right, that we understand um, what it takes to save those tenths or hundreds of seconds. You know, when I when I was uh, in my former life, when, when we trained soldiers, I would always say you got the rest of your life to get in the gunfight. And it's a true statement, you know, and by having that wider field of view, by having that ability to not have to shift your focus from target to reticle, it saves those valuable tenths or hundredths of a second. And that could be the difference between going home and being carried home. Yeah. And, and you guys have been getting a lot of accolades. I mean, uh, the 2018, you got the Golden Eagle Award for your one to six. So let's go in. You so said we're in the we're in the sort of the shorter scopes right now. We can go in that direction and just carry this conversation to your one to six and then your one to eight. So, uh, you know, for the guys who are looking for those optics in, in that shorter range magnification, uh, you know, let's talk about your one to six right off the bat, because, uh, I mean, your NRA is coming up in a couple weeks. 
in in you yeah. know last year they gave you that golden eagle for it. So well, uh, so so let me first say, Frank, that uh, I see what you did there. Uh, you you threw me out to talk about our one to eight, so that all of your listeners can get an exclusive oh. because uh, no one else is going to see it before uh, NRA. But that that's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But our one to six, you know, we're really we're really proud of our one to six. Our one to six was one of our first generation scopes, the second focal plane one to six. We mimicked our uh, speed ring reticle that's found on the holographic weapon site. Uh, one of the problems that I've always encountered with a low magnification scope that was a first focal plane is that you had to make this huge trade-off in the reticle. You either had to etch it very heavy so that you could find it on one power. And then when you got up to six, it wasn't exactly a precision reticle or you optimized it for six X and now on one X you're fighting to see what the heck you're trying to use as an aiming point. So we kind of uh, cheated physics on that and we put in our speed ring reticle on one power so that now your eye can find that speed ring really, really fast and that center is just a little bit of a, of a mushy dot. And then when you dial up to six power, that speed ring goes away and you have a precise reticle that is optimized for six power. And because of those things, uh, we were very, very fortunate uh, to receive the Golden Bullseye Award at the 2018 uh, NRA annual meetings. Uh, we're super, super excited about that award, uh, even to this day. Uh, it, it's a pretty amazing um, accomplishment, especially for the fact that it was our first foray into uh, the magnified optics. Now, while we were winning that award, we were actually already working on our one to eight, which you alluded to earlier, that we're going to preview at the uh, NRA national match or national the NRA annual meetings. Uh, coming up in about a week um, in Cincinnati. And I got to tell you, uh, the one to eight is, is it's right up there with the five to 25. Uh, I like to say that I'm not married to either one of them because I'd make some changes, but I, I'm dating them both very, very uh, <laughs> nice. heavily. Uh, that one to eight is a second focal plane. Uh, so we put a, uh, what we like to call a triplex reticle in there. So there's a few hold markers on there. Uh, they're, you know, two and a half, five, seven and a half, ten MOA, uh, just so that you have a reference. And of course, if you care enough, you're going to go out and do the math and now you know where those holds are. But we were also able to incorporate a fiber optic dot. So you have on eight power, it's a half MOA daylight bright illuminated dot. Nice. So, it's a true one power all the way up to eight power. Uh, it uses our current um, one piece eyepiece, which we, which we put on all of our models because uh, personally, I like to be able to just rip my eyepiece instead of trying to find that power band. Yep. But in addition, uh, a lot of guys go out and spend way too much money on a throw lever. So we incorporated a throw lever and we provide that throw lever for you. Uh, so if you want it, you put it on. If you don't want it, you take it off. One of the things you may have noticed but just not, you know, uh, put much thought into is that on that 5 to 25 and all of our, our higher magnification, we put that throw lever in such a way that whether it's cranked all the way up or all the way down, it's not going to interfere with the bolt throw of a standard Remington 700. I mean, all these things were stuff that we really thought out. So on, when uh, when your listeners get up to the NRA and they come by the booth and take a look at this one to eight, they're absolutely going to be blown away. And I'll tell you, uh, it's been a long time in development because we wanted to have it exactly right before we released it into the street. But in 2017, I had the first four prototypes or we, we got back the first four prototypes and I had one at my house in Georgia. And a buddy of mine named Daniel Horner, he was still in the Army at the time. He stopped by the house, and we got to talking. And I said, hey, let me show you this prototype. So he took a look at it. And uh, long story short, he ended up taking it home. I've never seen that scope again. <laughs> uh, and he won the 2017 USPSA Multigun Nationals running that scope. Now, that said, 
Dan could probably win nationals with a toilet paper tube, 100 mile an hour taped to his rifle. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, because let's face it, he's that good. But the fact that he had uh, the, the faith and confidence in a prototype to run it at nationals and then win nationals, it, it really speaks to uh, the effort that we put into that design and development. And the fact that even with that, we decided there were a few more things that we could do better. So we held off on the launch to make sure that it was exactly what everyone wanted. I think when they stopped by the EOTech booth at the NRA annual meetings in Indianapolis, they're going to be blown away by this one to eight. Nice. And your your one to six is only like fourteen hundred bucks retail. Um, where's the one to eight going to land? Because I mean, this stuff is great bang for the buck, and like I said, it, it definitely punches above its weight class. Absolutely, and it's going to come in at right in the same price range as the uh, one to six. Oh, nice. Uh, the one to six. The one to six um, is the first focal plane. So, of course. Um, Everything, the tolerances are, are really difficult to hold. The prescriptions have to be pretty much perfect. So that makes the first focal plane, especially on the, the, low, uh, the low to medium power range, a bit more expensive than a comparable uh, second focal plane. Right. So even though the 8X, the 1 to 8 is a, a second focal plane, we had to develop and perfect a short package 8X erector. And that's not at all cheap. So um, I would have loved for it to be about $100 less, but they're going to street price at about the same price. So if you're looking for a fantastic second focal plane, uh, something that's, or first focal plane, something that's really fast on the one power, but you can dial in and have a very precise reticle, whether you want a mill dot, an MOA dot, or a BDC for five, five, six, or seven, six, two. The one to six is is, is going to be almost impossible to beat, and definitely not possible to beat at its price range. If you're looking for a running gun, something that's really fast, but that you can dial up the power when you're making those partial shots or uh, some kind of weird position on a long range, uh, that second focal plane one to eight is going to be exceptionally hard to beat. And then when you add in the price at sub fourteen hundred bucks MSRP, um, man, I, I, I'll take the Pepsi challenge with anybody on that. No, and and I tell you what, just for guys who aren't aren't aware and hadn't looked at your your Voodoo line, you know, just recently, it's really you guys did a great job with your controls, the user interface, the feel, the look. It's not one of these really short up front like hardly any turret space and then way big in the back or this too big it, it's it you, you the the elegance in that user elef, uh, interface and design it, it shows through and it's consistent throughout the the the, the uh, different product lines as far as the one to six and the five to 25 you can tell they're part of a family but it's a good looking right. part of a family with really good user controls to it uh, as I said, with the turrets, with the 5 to 25, they're intuitive. You're, you're not going to have to sit there with the manual in your face and go, what am I doing here? I mean, because there's time there, lately, it's like you'll grab a scope and you'll be like, holy cow, I got to get the manual. They did something funky here. Oh, yeah. And, you need the same degree as the guy that designed it. Yeah, in, in a and, way you and, do. And that's kind of and that's what we went that that's kind of what we thought when we looked at contemporaries and we started developing our product line is I said, you know what? Uh, since a lot of these other manufacturers want the guy that designed their scope to, to use, that uses their scope to have the same degree that they, they got, I said, we'll do the same thing. So I, I've got a Louisiana high school public education. <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. There's a 100% chance uh, that you're not going to get freaked out and lost. Uh, everything is very simple to use. It was all well thought out. If you look at our, uh, if you look at any of the other super short scopes that are out there that are near our power range, and I'm not aware of any that are in our power range, but uh, there are at least one or two that are in our uh, in that power range, uh, around that power range. You'll notice that you've got one place to put a ring. You know, yeah. We wanted to make sure that you didn't have that, so you've got 
for it to be uh, 11.2 inches long, you've got a lot of mounting options in there. Um, you can actually grab, you know, a, a Geisley uh, one-piece mount and stick it right on there. So uh, it, it, you know, from, from those, uh, from a user standpoint, uh, I think you'll find great functionality. Uh, that probably the greatest value that I've been able to see out there uh, in any set of uh, high-end magnified optics. And like I said, you know, we'll take the challenge with anybody um, for clarity, for resolution, uh, for repeatability, adjustability. They're phenomenal scopes. Don't let the price point scare you off. Don't think that we skimped on this or we skimped on that to be able to offer it at a value price point. We didn't. Uh, we did it right. Uh, we back it with a warranty uh, for a lifetime. And the thing that I want to do is give you the peace of mind of having a lifetime warranty, but not having to go to the NRA or uh, Great American Sportsman Show and have people say to me, you know what, I just want to thank you. You've got the greatest warranty. I've sent my scope in four times and y'all keep sending me a new one. I want you to have peace of mind that you don't have to use it. And that's what we've created. Nice. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, super impressive. The repeatability's there. The, 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 the product is just, you know, I mean, and I shouldn't say product like that, but the voodoo has been working great. I'm, I'm psyched with the voodoo on the voodoo way it is. And I was contemplating like, geez, should I move it around for the video? And I'm like, no, I really love it the way it's set up. And I kind of just want to marry it and leave it that way because it is such a great product. And, and it was, it was instant impressive when you come out and, and you can see why you guys were winning these awards, why you're getting contracts. I mean, just listening to you talk, you understand the science behind it and you're not doing this OEM marketing company that says, well, we did this because everybody's doing that and this is what the market wants. You know, that was nowhere near in your answers in any which way. And that is why you go in the direction of a voodoo rifle scope and EOTech because they're looking at all these things. They're looking at the human body. They're looking at the interface and the features. You're, you're, you're looking at that, that what is the, the mag range that's the most popular for sure. Your reticle's got the floating dot. Okay, you want holdover? We got a Horace over here. So you're checking every single box, but not because... You're just looking to market something that everybody else is marketing. Absolutely. And, and, and I thank you for picking up on that. I mean, we don't say we're precision powered for nothing. I mean, that is our goal is to help you maximize the capabilities of your weapon system and yourself. Uh, when I was at the Army Marksmanship Unit, our mantra was always uh, the equipment's got to be better than the shooter because if you go out and have a bad day, you need to know it was your bad day and not your equipment. And I want to make sure that every Voodoo Precision Rifle Scope we put out is 100% powered by precision and will help you master your platform. That's, that's the number one goal that's out there. So if you see what we need to do better, let us know. I got to tell you, we've got a wide open ear and uh, we got hands that'll make it happen. Uh, Aaron, it's been fantastic. We're, we're already up on the hour. I can't believe it went by this fast. Um, no, it, it, it yeah, no, no man, this Sorry. is great. No, this was fantastic. I think it was an education for people. I think it's one. I really, these guys should be listening to this twice because you threw a lot of nuggets out there that might have gone by the first time a little quick on somebody. But I will tell you from my standpoint, there are things that have been said in here that you're not going to hear other people repeat but they should be repeated and they're valid. And so I, I think there, there's, there's a lot to glean from this quick hour that we've had. Like I said, I'm a fan of what I'm seeing. I'm a fan of the products that I'm using. And uh, it, it's, it's definitely good to see you guys moving forward this way and getting the accolades for it. I, I mean, you can't argue with all these, the, the independent side of things saying, no, this is the one that, that's doing well for us. And so awesome. uh, well, I, I thank you for having us uh, and, and giving me an opportunity to, to engage with your listeners. I hope that uh, if any of them are in Cincinnati for the uh, NRA annual meetings, they'll stop by the booth, say hi, uh, throw a few questions at it. Uh, and uh, also on the 
day, the opening day of NRA, we're going to launch our new website, voodooptics.com. That's V-U-D-U optics.com. So go and check it out. Uh, it, you can test drive all of the optics on there, uh, figure out exactly what's going to fit your needs the best. And um, then you can run over to eotechgear.com and buy one or go down to your local retailer. If they don't have them, tell them they need to. And, uh, you know, hey, get behind them. Take a test drive. I promise you it will do everything you need it to do and then some. Nice. And stay on the line, Aaron. I'm just going to cl- get off with these guys, and, and and I'll follow up with you, so just hang on there. You guys, Welcome. this has been a great conversation, listening to the Everyday Sniper. Uh, like I say, it, it's worth your time to go out and check it out. And if you are going to NRA, go by the EOTech booth, say hi, tell them you heard them on the Everyday Sniper. It resonates when you guys say that stuff. Uh, it, it definitely has an effect but I want to thank Aaron for this. I want to thank John for setting it up and, and everybody over at EOTech for what they're doing. Thank you guys and have a great one.